Enneagram is for me a very profound way of looking at the unconscious drivers that we hold. And I found a lot of patternings based on type. Mm-hmm. So like fours tend to t- burn out in a particular way. Threes like myself burn out in a particular way. And I wanted to give people resources because I don't hear anybody talking about this. Allowed. You are allowed to be whole. I'm Dr. Camille Joyce. I'm here to affirm that you are not missing anything. Just imagine with me for a moment that you are and always have been enough. You have always been enough. Imagine that. Allowed. When you were born, you were whole, perfect. And somewhere along the way, you learned that parts of you were not allowed here. What are the pieces of you that you've put into the basement? And how can you reclaim the wholeness that is your birthright? You are allowed to grow. You're allowed to dream. You are allowed to be exactly who you are and to become the next version of who you want to be. Start your journey of exploration with me right now on Allowed. You are allowed to be whole. Welcome back to part two of the Allowed Podcasts episode on burnout and the Enneagram featuring the incredibly wise Aaron Rocchio. During part one, Aaron gave us all a crash course on burnout, its symptoms, its causes, and what you can do in the workplace to try to prevent it. Now, we're going to get into how burnout relates to one of the most powerful personality typing systems, one that is ancient and has been used probably for centuries, and that is the Enneagram. How have you witnessed Enneagram personality archetypes relating to burnout, Aaron? As you and I have talked about it a lot, Enneagram is for me a um, very profound way of looking at the unconscious drivers that we hold. And I found a lot of patternings based on type. Mm-hmm. So like fours tend to t- burn out in a particular way. Threes like myself burn out in a particular way. And I wanted to give people resources because I don't hear anybody talking about this. Yeah. And, and, and I, I just want to say for the listeners real quick, if you're not familiar with Enneagram yet, then you can go back to um, Aaron's episode from, I guess it was the summer, the first summer of the pandemic, so 2020. And we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. And that's where she and I dive into what Enneagram is and how you can use it in relationships and in teams. And we'll link to some other Enneagram related resources as well in the show notes, plus all of Aaron's, the tools that she referenced from her website. So Enneagram is an amazing uh, personality system. It's, it's deeply profound, which is rare to say. It's super different from anything like the MBTI or StrengthsFinder, all of which are fantastic tools. Uh, but this one is, um, it really seems to point to uh, your, you know, the connection between your ego and your soul's growth journey. Um, and so it's a really good map of how you get when you're reactive and what the path looks like for you to get out of that. And I would say burnout is, is, is connected to reactivity and it's connected to like the drive our ego has that has us overlook our core needs. So that's Enneagram. Um, but we're going to go forward, presuming that you, you basically know what Enneagram is most, a lot of, a lot of the listeners do. Yeah. Well said. I loved your description, Kanyal. So um, so each type, each of the nine types has their own expression of burnout. Type ones are often called the reformer. 
Um, and ones are defined essentially by folks that have a pretty binary view of the world, like things are good or bad, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And they're really oriented towards goodness and fairness. And part of one's burnout comes in these perfectionism loops. Like perfectionism is a difficult <laughs> trap. <laughs> it's brutal. Like I've, I, I feel like I'm a recovering perfectionist, you know, I'm not a one. Uh-huh. Um, but some of the intense internal de- demands and internal criticism that one's face kind of pushes them into burnout more quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to really take a look at for, for them. Um, twos are the helper. I have a strong two wing. Sometimes I, I feel like I'm a two. Um, twos are so other oriented and like, I call them the warm and fuzzies. So they're like going to love up on everybody around them, which is wonderful. And it feels super good. But the problem that twos get into as it relates to their own well being is that we naturally are not looking at ourselves we are only looking out there and it's just kind of constant neglect of self. Mm. Mm. And so self-care, um, it feels almost selfish for twos to look inward, but mm-hmm. that's actually what we need to restore and renew. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of a trap for twos and also kind of their way out. Type threes, which is my actual type, is the achiever. And this is kind of a classic, like I, I'm only valuable. I'm only allowed to rest after I've produced and performed I'll rest later. Right. And so for threes, there's, um, kind of the burnout comes from classic workaholism, classic over-identification with your work. Hmm. And honestly, like it is, it is my personal practice, Camille, to rest every day because I am wired against it. Yeah like pausing between meetings, closing my eyes for five minutes feels sacrilegious to my yeah. personality. <laughs> that cannot be easy. And now though, I've been doing it for quite a number of years. And by the way, little plug, there is fabulous work by this woman, um, Patricia Hershey, Hershey, and she's the NAP ministry. And everybody should go follow her work because it's rooted in black liberation hmm. theory. And she's just fucking brilliant. And so she encourages me every day on, mm. on through her work to, to do that. Um, type fours, your type get overly indexed around their emotional reality. And that's okay. Hello. Emotional exhaustion. It's like, boom, right there. Right. Yeah. The intensity of emotion, the intensity of the ways in which you see the world can easily have a force slip into the despair. Yes aspect, right? Am I ringing a bell? Absolutely. And so kind of finding healthy boundaries for, for fours and finding ways to hold emotion and honor it and also have some space around it mm-hmm. where it doesn't take you down is really powerful. Um, and interestingly, type fives are similar to fours, that they're both um, deep types. Mm-hmm. Fours are deep feelers, fives are deep thinkers, right? The investigator, they want to understand everything. So they feel a sense of control. They also can over-identify with knowledge and knowing Mm -hmm. and disconnect from their body, disconnect from their relationships that might nourish them. And so there's a lot, um, there's benefit to the getting lost in your head. And there's also a real downside for type fives. Sixes, which are the loyalists, burn out honestly, quite uh, overtly through anxiety, through the constant activity and doing of mitigating risk and trying to get them to just stop moving, slow down and be present 
is very difficult because the anxiety is like, go, 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 do the things, do the things, prevent the bad things, prevent the bad things. And so the mental load that the six six will hold for a team, for themselves, for their family is significant. Mm. Um, And so that can lead them into burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, Sevens, the enthusiasts, I call these the adventurers. Their quick thinking is lovely and beautiful and visionary. And they're also so disconnected from the present moment and they don't like dealing with pain. They um, burn out often because they don't want to acknowledge that things aren't working. Yeah. I call them my master reframers. Like, Oh, it's fine. (laughs) And it's like, sometimes actually you need to just get present to the pain before you can move Mm -hmm. something differently. So those Mm -hmm. are the sevens. Mm -hmm. Eights are the, um, the type that are wanting to have control and power over everything. So they challenge what is, they come into the world trying to be strong and own it all. Eights carry way more burden than they need to often. Hmm. They don't like to admit. And also eights have a difficult time asking for help. So they feel like the burden of the world is on their shoulders to hold and they can't let anybody know that they're feeling weak or struggling. And so Mm. that's where eights tend to burn out. And nines are lovely peacemakers. Often burnout for them is just a continual neglect of their genuine feelings and needs. Similar to a two, but a little bit different because nines are also holding the energy of the whole group. And so the emotional exhaustion for them can also kick in pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll they'll check out the withdrawal for nines, fours and fives is more acute. And mm-hmm. so those types in particular will tend to their own space, but not always in a healthy way. But those are our, our lovely types and how burnout can show up for them. I know. Yeah, this I just that. make you like want to give everybody a hug. That's yes, <laughs> it does. I mean, this is one of the things I love about Enneagram is compassion for self, compassion for other. Yeah. Just recognizing that we're all, we're all like in this. We're all in it. I don't know, striving, struggle, um, journey. Yeah. So beautiful. So do you want to do some practice? I sure do. Yeah. (laughs) I've got my deck here ready to go. And this is so, I just, I really love all of your content, Erin. The content itself is so rich and well-researched, but also the the design is so thoughtful and the construction is, which is a four. I just say relish just touching these beautiful things. Thank you you for that. One of my values. And it's, you know, I have a strong four wing as I Mm -hmm. do two wings. I appreciate good design. Thank you. (laughs) I want to make sure everybody knows. So what we're talking about is the Enneagram and burnout card deck, and you can get them on my website, wholeness at work.com. I should say our wholeness at work.com to be specific. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things I did with this is I organized practices by Enneagram type, but there's 12 distinct practices for each type based on mind, body, heart, spirit. So I thought maybe for you and I today, we could practice the self-compassion practice Mm -hmm. for type four. And um, before I get into that, I just want to also say, if you don't know your Enneagram type or you're confused, all 108 practice cards are good for you. Like they're all useful. So don't Mm. think you're limited to 12. Um, We all have all of the types within us anyway. Yeah. just have some that are more dominant. So, right. And so sometimes if you really are clear in your type, you read a card and you're like, oh crap, she got my number. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I even find for myself going to another type cards on certain days is really nourishing. Hmm. 
Okay. So for you, my friend, so we're going to look at self-compassion practice called setting clear boundaries for type four. And I'll read some of this. And then um, I'd love for you to kind of respond and maybe you journal a little bit and then you can kind of let our listeners know what you're doing. Okay. So the first step here is um, kind of describing why boundaries. So defining where we end and another person begins is critical to emotional and mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Love that you've got your journal. <laughs> to start, um, I would like you to reflect on a relationship to a person or in an environment that feels disempowering mm-hmm. or taxing, like it's an energy drain. Mm-hmm. And then um, step two is, is there a deeper need or core value you'd like to be honored there but isn't? So for example, I need to be seen for my unique perspective. Ooh, this is personal. Yeah. Um, Okay, let me think about this here. While you're thinking, Kanyal, can I talk about the connection between values and boundaries? Sure. There's a lot out there today about how important setting boundaries uh, is to our health. And a lot of people have brilliant stuff to say about it. Um, It's a critical component of well-being. And I think it is most helpful and most grounding when we connect them to things that we deeply care about so that when we communicate a boundary, it's not like people experience, um, there's no, it's clean. It's, mm-hmm. There's no negative thing like I'm against you or I'm putting a wall up against you. It's, it's more like, hey, I have a need for, um, just pick one. I have a need for connection. My core value of connection is not getting honored in this way. So I need to actually connect to myself. And so I'm going to set a boundary here, right? And you can use particular language, but when we're able to connect it to something that matters to us, people can hear us in a particular way. Yeah. Great. Okay. I have, I have my, I I have my issue in mind and I feel my, because I'm being coached, I'm going to sit myself down. Okay. (laughs) And relax, like rest, rest into the support you're giving me. I love, thank you so much. I'm going to lower Do you feel comfortable sharing or do you want to keep it? Yeah, I'll share. Okay. Before you share, I want to offer step three, which is um, in your journal, script out how you might make a clear request to that person or environment that might explain or set a boundary that you need so that your value is honored and recognized. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'm going to minimize my time with people who don't ask for my perspective. Okay. And so step four says, now we can practice communicating your boundary with simple, firm, consistent language. So you don't need to over explain or share a story about your boundary, but just make a simple, clear request. And then as you do that, and as you practice in real life with this person or people notice continually how your energy and effectiveness shift Hmm. in that relationship. Okay. So do you want to share what you saw? Sure. So um, the area where Uh, I'd like to create a boundary. It's a bit of a combination between a relationship and an environment that feels frustrating or disempowering or taxing. And what it is, is we have been going through some home repairs and, you know, not quite a remodel, but some improvements, some decorating. And I usually these days I'm working at home, uh, as is my husband And I work with clients most of the time. And so um, when I'm with a client, I am not like my phone is turned off. I don't even usually know where it is. I have no, no other windows open. I'm totally focused on them. I would never take a second of presence away from a client. And, and yet um, workers will arrive 
at random times, random days without warning and ask if I can weigh in on things like all throughout the day. Um, and then when I don't answer my office door, I don't get to weigh in on it. And then my unique perspective is not being included in the process. Mm. Um, and so the, the kind of boundary is both, I don't want to be interrupted. Mm. Um, that's it's like, that feels like a hard boundary. Like this is my space and my time. I feel my five wing, like getting really big there. Like, mm. her, like this, my, my, my quiet little cave. Um, and I think the deeper need or core value that I want to be honored there is, is the need for peace, mm. the need for like focus and the need for some ability to predict yeah. when my attention is going to be drawn somewhere else. These are great. Um, for a remodel while working from home. I totally relate. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I do get a bit spun up, you know, to put this in systems perspective, I, I, I get myself more exhausted when I think about the fact that I make up a story just because I'm a woman at home, they think that my time is not important and they don't need to tell me when they're coming, even though I keep asking. And I get, I get myself mm. super exhausted when I go down that rabbit hole. So I try not to, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's my step two, my deeper need. Um, Number three, how to make the clear request so that my need is recognized. I definitely see how I could be doing this more effectively and with less, um, I think like not presuming defeat at the onset, Mm. right? Um, So I need to know when you will be coming. And I do, and I need to, I need to set aside time to weigh in on things when needed um, because I, I have a need to f- focus during the workday and have my perspective included at the same time. Yeah. So just like, it's like a need for predictability. I'm wondering, Camille, just on that note, is there mm-hmm. a conversation also you might want to think about with your clients so that they can also be aware? It's brilliant. That that is so brilliant, Aaron, because that's not something I've done at all. Mm-hmm. Instead, I've I've made it like I've I've already made it wrong that I have anything at all else going. I can see how that's like me, you know, four moving to two. Like everything needs to be like about you. Yeah, because yeah, that's what my husband does. You know, he's down there, he's working all day, he's in meetings, but he's he works at a company. And so he'll say, Hold on one second, I'll be right back. And it doesn't seem like a big deal, at least that's what I've been imagining. But you're right. I could just say to my clients, I'm going through a remodel right now. Every now and then I may need to go and address the question. Yep. Um, I try to have that be predictable, but it's not always predictable. Yeah. Yes. Kind of like expectation setting with your clients, right? I think the the trap that I think coaches, like we all fall in is we have to be a hundred percent there for the other person at all times and have no needs. Yeah. And that's, that sounds that's pretty not, extreme. That's so extreme when you say it out loud, but that's how we all operate, right? Yeah. And one of the big lessons, you know, I've been going through divorce. And one of the things that's been really empowering to me is actually saying out loud, like, you know what? I actually am not present today. I need to move our time. I feel terrible doing it. Mm-hmm. But also like, otherwise I would be in totally inauthentic and just, you know, of service to them, but at my cost. Yeah. And 
that's also not sustainable and it's not honest. It's not good role modeling either for it's not good role modeling. Yeah. So that, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I noticed that even, you know, one, one of the ones I have melted through is um, I used to make myself be in zoom all day long thinking that I should, I couldn't dare like do it any other way. They need to know that I'm on. And, and I recognize, especially with the pandemic, nobody wants to be in zoom all day long and no one wants their head facing the same direction, not to be able to move two feet to the left or right. And so I moved my sessions to phone sessions got way better. People are often surprised. And they say, well, I, I didn't know you could do coaching by phone. Well, sure you can, you can do any meeting by phone. If you're, if you're like, if you're fried and you can't stay in zoom, you could actually ask to change your meetings. You could go on a walk during a meeting. People are like, well, I'm going to walk during a meeting. I can't tell you how many walking coaching calls I have. Mm -hmm. It's the best. It's still difficult when you're trying to take notes, which I do. Mm -hmm. I want my clients to be walking. And I sometimes want to have the ability to walk around my house. Yeah. And like grab tea while we're doing it. And like, that's okay. Yeah. I've got my coaching fanny pack. I put it on with my notebook. I, I can pause where I want to. I can get, I can like walk around in the shallow end of the pool I did yesterday. And oh my God. You know, we can be flexible. We can still get things done. I, I think it. the big point I'm hearing from you is that, and this is true for anybody who's going through burnout, is that we need to include ourselves in the work. So it can't just be everybody else gets core values and everybody else gets boundaries and everybody else gets my attention and presence. But you also need your attention and presence and mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. It's so it's so incredible. You know, I just continue to find areas where, you know, despite me deeply valuing being allowed, or I keep finding areas where I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally was not allowing myself right there. Oh. So thank you. That was a really great practice. I I I think that that would be one that I could even include in just my, my morning journaling or even yeah. sit and have a cup of coffee and think through this. And I know that a lot of the practices in here, like you said, a lot of them really only take three to five minutes or mm -hmm. you could even integrate some of these into like a one minute pause. Completely. Some of them are well-suited for a weekend where you've got more time. And some of them are like, Literally go step outside, have some deep breaths in nature, come back in mm -hmm. easy and yet really transformative. Well, a big takeaway I'm getting here is addressing burnout is something that, um, we ought not have any shame around. And in fact, when we address our burnout, we are being of service to others. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but it's important to do it, not just to be of service to others, but to see ourselves as part of that systemic whole, yeah. especially as leaders, um, you know, no one wants to follow a burnt out leader and people can tell, I mean, we even, we have mirror neurons can see yeah. someone's face. And even if you don't, even if they're hiding it with all their might, you can just feel in your energy where they are. Yeah. Um, so, so I think we have a fundamental desire, whether we'll say it out loud or not, we all want to be whole. Mm -hmm. in every space we're in. We want to bring our full self. We want to reach our full potential. Life is short. Like we want it all. Mm -hmm. We want to do that with people we care about on causes we care about. And I think we're all waking up to the fact that bringing only part of ourselves or excluding ourselves, not allowing our whole self to be there actually is a detriment to our performance and our impact. 
mm-hmm. particularly when we hold power. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the, the simple thing that I just want to underscore what you said is like including yourself in your service, in mm-hmm. your care, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you just modeled that beautifully, Camille. So well done. Well, thank you so much for being here, Erin. We're going to link to uh, your website and the resources that you mentioned in our show notes, as well as to um, a link where you can get your own uh, Enneagram burnout card deck with these sustainable practices to make it really easy and inviting. I love having decks around so that I can be continually reminded in my environment of the opportunity to pause and take time for myself and um, that's simple. It's easy. We like ease. We like Thanks for being here. It's always lovely to spend time with you. Um, I'm sure like you're going to be. Y'all. Be well, my friend. Good to see Thank you. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.